0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: It's Friday. Welcome to the Farm Report, Heritage Radio Network, sponsored by Hearst Ranch. Today in studio, we have two special guests, Patrick Martins and Anastasia Cole. Hello. we will be? Hi. Uh, hi, Anastasia. They'll be chiming in towards the end of the episode with some some final thoughts. Today we'll be talking about young farmers and about the somewhat disconcerting statistic that the average age of farmers is steadily increasing. And we'll also cover the stigmas associated with farming as a a career. And we'll talk about how to reverse this trend and popularize farming among a younger demographic.
2: Yes, you're right, Lorenzo. Patrick, want to give you a chance to say hello. Happy to have you here with us on the Farm Report today.
3: Thanks for having me, Heather.
2: Awesome. Uh, The two young farmers we'll be speaking with today are both out of Missouri. We'll be first speaking with Eric Norton of Plattsburgh, Missouri, and then with Matt Kiefhofer of Edgerton, Missouri. Um, We did a little bit of research beforehand just to give our listeners an idea of uh, why we are talking to these young farmers today. And we want people to understand that what is going on um, in the trend of uh, the age of young farmers is that it is increasingly decreasing. So, for example... The Economic Research Service branch of the United States Department of Agriculture tells us that the average age of farmers in 1997 was 54 years of age. The proportion of farmers aged 55 and over rose from 37% in 1954 to 61% in 1997. Farmers are older, on average, than others in the civilian labor force, and that's for several reasons. They're self-employed workers. Farmers can continue to farm, and they can often reduce the scale after reaching an age at which they want their wage or salary or earners to, you know, become less of a part of the production and therefore, um, you know, get closer to their retirement. Um, The mechanism of agriculture also has helped older farmers continue farming by uh, substituting machinery for some physical labor um, and that can sometimes come in the hand of a younger farmer.
1: Yeah, I mean, the agricultural census is revealing that the average age of U.S. farmers has slowly risen, with fewer younger people than in the past, and the number of entrants into farming has fallen over time. This is attributable both to the decline of farm numbers and to the fact that farm families have fewer children than in the past. And the typical, farm, the typical entry into farming, as you guys know, is through the family farm business. Less frequent is the agricultural ladder, in which a hired farm worker becomes a tenant and ultimately an owner-operator. Some of you listeners may be familiar with our HRN show, Greenhorn Radio, hosted by Severin Von scharner Fleming, one of the country's foremost farmers and activists. Severin is making a film about farmers under 40, and she's canvassed the country, spreading the word about farming and encouraging a younger generation to enter into the industry.
2: Um, A reoccurring theme on Greenhorn Radio... Severin show has been the stigma of farming and how, for example, Severin's family, the host, wasn't ecstatic about her choice to become a career farmer. There's a stigma that farming is somewhat an anti-intellectual pursuit, somehow less than other careers. Um, during the course of the interviews that Lorenzo and I have conducted for this Farm Report program, we've noticed that the farmers we've spoken to are truly some of the most eloquent, well-spoken, and kind-hearted people these individuals are politically informed and socially and globally conscious. Aside from that, our farmers are in tune with natural processes that we, as myself, a city person, aren't as connected to. Um, They have a different brand of intelligence, if you will. They have an intuitive intelligence, sort of an anti-anthromorphism. They understand humanity as only a small part of a much grander natural scheme. Um, I think we have our first, for our first farmer that we'll be speaking with today, Eric Norton of Plattsburgh, Missouri, on the line. Eric, are you here with us? Hello, Eric. Hello. How's it going? Uh,
4: good. How are you? I'm doing
2: very well today. We're very happy to have you here with us on the Farm Report. Uh, what's the weather like there in Plattsburgh, Missouri?
4: Uh, it's not too bad. We had some uh, heavy storms early this morning. Um, Really? It looks like it's building up again for another storm this afternoon.
2: You guys have been in need of some rain there or not so much? Uh,
4: No, not really so much. But uh, like all the crops around are starting to pollinate and uh, the rain's good for them now as long as we don't get any like hail or tornadoes (laughs) or strong winds.
2: Yeah, that would throw you for a loop this time of year. Definitely. Well, um, did you have a chance to uh, hear some of our introduction, and uh, if so, do you have any comments on some of the the points that we brought up that you know are most uh, you know connected to to you and your, your your position as a farmer? I know you're a second or third generation farmer. Is that right?
4: Uh, yeah, it'd be a third generation farmer. It started. Uh, my grandpa started it uh, back in like the '40s or. Even way before that, like the 30s. He started with like 100 acres, and then uh, my dad and my uncle came around, and uh, they built the farm up to uh, 4,000 acres of uh, land and a couple thousand head of hogs.
2: A couple thousand year. head of hogs.
4: Yeah. How, How old are you, Eric? Uh, 30. Just turned 30 on the 4th. So. So oh,
1: happy
2: birthday.
3: Happy birthday.
4: Hey, thank you.
1: Now, do you think that you... That you would have entered into this industry had it not been for had it not been a family practice,
4: um, probably not. It's very hard for uh, anybody to enter into like the farming industry because it uh, it costs so much money.
1: Right, and that actually brings me to one of my questions. I'm glad you brought that up. One of the recurring things on themes on Greenhorn Radio. I don't know if you've been a listener, but Greenhorn Radio, host, hosted by Severin Sharner Fleming. Our show for young farmers by young farmers has been about the difficulty young startup farmers experience trying to attain the capital necessary to secure some land for themselves to start off.
2: So do you think that like since as a a 30 year old and you're probably still working a little bit with your father and uncle, is your youth an advantage as to what you're able to do as a farmer or and and are there any disadvantages to your age?
4: My advantages of what?
2: of your youth, of your young age of 30, I mean, you're definitely able to do more than I would say probably your uncle or father just in terms of, you know, manual labor. Is that true?
4: Uh, Yeah, yeah. It always helps to have a younger guy around on the farm because, like, they used to be, you know, they used to be 30 at one time, and Hmm. they were uh, really go-getters, so now they expect me to do the same as they did when they were 30. I mean, my uncle's 71, and my dad's... uh, Sixty-three, so they are uh, no young bucks anymore. So,
1: does technology play a large role in your farm operation? And I mean, how <clears throat> how open are the elders to embracing technology on the farm? And does it help to have a younger person who might be a little more technologically savvy? Oh
4: yeah, they're uh, they're open to it. They've uh, they come from the age of where uh, they I don't they know how to turn on the computer, so. <laughs> So uh, me being around, uh, having some knowledge, I mean, I don't have all knowledge in the world about computers, but I know uh, quite a bit about them, and uh, they've adopted some of the, uh, like, technology so far anyway. And I'm sure that as time goes on, more and more of the agriculture, you know, they'll be using more and more computers as time goes on.
2: And one thing when you said that they consider you the go getter now, what, what does that mean? Like what are you going out there to get? What are you doing that's uh pushing pushing forward your, your farm and you know the legacy of your family out there in, in Plattsburgh?
4: Uh just like uh more energy and just able to work, you know, more hours and just uh, better you know, production. Uh, yeah, more production or whatever, just to push them to keep going. I mean they they were uh really you know, prosperous farmers, back when they were in their 30s, they, I mean, they really went hard. They went, I mean, we went, uh, like, small, like, uh, little, you know, started out with a four-row corn planter, and now we have, like, 16-row corn planters, so. Wow.
2: So what is going on on your farm besides, um, I know you just said, you know, you have thousands of uh, hogs right now and 4,000 acres. What else are you raising on your land?
4: uh we raise uh we background uh cattle and then we have uh like a small cow calf operation hmm. and uh right now this time of year we're baling hay but the weather hasn't been too cooperative because it rains every couple days but we did get uh quite a bit done last week but
2: and like with the bailing of the hay for example like i don't know where does hay go what do you do with the hay how does it help your farm I'm sure many of our listeners don't know either, except for what these big, you know, bales look like <laughs> from movies. Uh,
4: they go with uh, feed for the cattle and then, uh, like, bedding. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like uh, your sheets or your covers on your pillow. Mm-hmm. You put them down for the animals and then they, uh, like, they lay on it. And, you you know, you change it out every, like, in the wintertime, especially because the weather gets pretty severe around here and normally rains once a week at least and snows some. And then you just put that on the ground so the animals can lay on it and then they can be uh comfortable and don't have to sleep in the mud and the muck.
3: Yeah. Hey, uh, can I ask you a question? This is Patrick. Yeah. Um like what are like two or three of like the worst jobs on the farm, like that historically like, are given to the rookies or, you know, just like the most back-breaking or smelly or something type of, you know, farm work on your guys' farm?
4: Uh, I'm really... Like, uh, sometimes if you get, uh, I don't know, I'm not really for sure really what the worst jobs are, but... <laughs> well,
2: what's your least favorite?
4: Uh, least favorite, uh, like, we have a uh, mill, like mm-hmm. a processing mill where it grinds up like the corn dust and stuff
2: Hmm.
4: and if it rains and someone doesn't clean it out um, at least once a week it gets really nasty caked
2: up i'm sure
4: yeah (laughs) stinky and not a fun job but it has to be done weekly so
2: that doesn't sound like fun Yeah, well, you know, we all got to keep working to, you know, continue on. Um, One thing, just to get back to how we were wanting to talk about, you know, younger farmers and how we can reverse this trend of, uh, you know, the the average age of the farmer being, you know, 57 years old right now, um, you know, what do people that maybe graduated in your class with you, you know, of high school do, I mean, are there a lot of farmers in your area? Are you solely a farmer, you know, because of your family's, you know, lands and out of necessity to keep the family business alive, or is it something that you think a lot of people do have an interest in, in, in an area like where you live?
4: Uh, yeah, there's, uh, quite a few, uh, farmers in my area and, uh, there's really not too many uh younger farmers, mm-hmm. but there is uh, quite a few do you but, uh, ha- yeah go ahead
2: well do you, do you have any ideas like as to how we can you know continue to keep younger people interested in the the role of keeping farming and sustainable farming alive
3: or what livestock are the best livestock for like a young farmer like what's a manageable like crop or, um, you know, livestock breed for, for a beginning farmer?
4: Uh, like an easy? Yes, something
2: that would encourage them to get started because they'd see a success.
4: Uh, really any type of livestock, like, uh, pigs, they're, uh, fairly easy, but, uh, if someone just wanted to, like, test the waters in farming, they might, like, get a cow and a calf or something just, and then, uh. Secondly, than going to pig farming.
2: Hmm.
4: But, but it seems that it, uh, like the simplest way would be to have some cows or something.
2: That, to me, seems like it would be the hardest.
1: <laughs> Why do you think yeah. it's important for this country to generate more young farmers?
4: Because uh, we don't have... I mean, if there's no farmers, I mean, there's no food, really. You know, it's very important to... Because, like, my, my idea is the United States is pretty much built off of agriculture. You know, if the United States didn't have agriculture, I mean, how would they make most of their, I mean, anything? what would they sell and what, what would they do, you know?
2: Well, yeah, definitely. So I would, I would like to ask, do you have um, any, you know, have you, do you have a five or ten year plan or anything that you've brought to the table to your family to, you know, um, move some of the processes of your farm along?
4: Uh, yeah, I have a few ideas, but
2: uh, would you be I, letting uh, out any family secrets yeah, if you if shared you them with us? Yeah, if told you, have to
0: kill you.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to keep those secrets. If I told everybody, there might be somebody from out there come move into Plattsburgh and start their own farming. Uh, corporation. No, dude,
3: because you'd be registered on Heritage Radio Network of having said it first. We'd present that in a court of law.
2: <laughs> an- Anastasia wants to chime in.
5: Yeah, Eric, I'm wondering. Speaking of people coming uh, out out there from uh, out here, would you ever take on an apprentice? Do you like the apprentice system? Do you think that's a, a good way to keep young people entering the you know the, sort of the agricultural ladder?
4: Uh, yeah, I do. I think uh, if uh, like an older farmer like doesn't have any uh like uh kids or anyone to pass on the you know farming thing i mean it's been done in a few uh i've read about it in a few magazines where you know you just take like a local kid and you just start working with him and eventually he uh buys the farmland from you when you're ready to retire or he slowly gets into it but yeah the apprenticeship that's that's a good that's a good way to get people to start farming
3: and um, I wanted to ask a question. What's it like living and working together with your family? I mean, that most people live with one family and work with a group of strangers. You live and work with your family. Is that hard sometimes?
4: Uh, yeah, it makes it kind of difficult. I mean, you still its lots of drama sometimes, but, I mean, it's really not <laughs> too bad.
2: Well, th- <laughs> it's not like there's no work families that don't have drama either, so... have you ever considered it's
4: not really as bad as i make it sound it (laughs) it works out pretty good i mean if maybe if uh i had a bunch of cousins and all that stuff that were interested in farming it might be a little different but uh they're not really interested in it so
2: well why do we know i mean what turned them off from having an opportunity to come to the farm i mean is is it a money issue? Is it just a pure, you know, hands-on issue? Well, why aren't they interested? What are they doing? I mean, doctors, teachers, lawyers, uh, I mean, what are we, what are they up to?
4: <laughs> they're, uh, they're older than I am. They're, like, in their 40s now, 40, 50. Mm-hmm. But that's, uh, like my uncle's kids. But they're, uh, they're, like, successful in their own business. Like, one's, like, the insurance, American Family Insurance, like, number three guy. And Wow. They, my uh, cousin works for uh, Johnson and Johnson. So.
1: Very good company. Yeah, Very good company Johnson Johnson. And one thing we've discovered by interviewing a bunch of young farmers is that they're really multi talented. I mean, their skills are not limited to what they can use on the farm. So, had you not chosen to be a farmer, what are some of the other career paths you might have taken into consideration?
4: Hmm. Uh, i would, uh, I really enjoy the outdoors. I'd probably you know, I'd be a. Uh, a park ranger or a conservation agent i probably would have chose that path
3: cool that's cool
4: or like a hunting guide or hunting
1: something. guide yeah i'm down with that one Sounds yeah. kind of dangerous
4: maybe be on the deadliest catch, <laughs> deadliest nice. catch.
3: we
2: will be maybe able to hook you up with uh, one of those producers i
3: think uh didn't <laughs> we have the director of deadliest catch amazing race uh, oh of amazing race yeah yeah, we had,
1: uh, Eric, we had the, the, the head of production for Amazing Race on our show a couple weeks back.
2: Director of photography, Peter Director. Sickhart, yep, on the Q Report. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's done some work for the for the LA Sketch, or maybe he's coming up with some work. So maybe we can get you guys in contact.
3: <laughs> how are the uh, pigs looking this year? I mean, there's been a lot of rain, you were saying. I mean, how does that affect the size of the pigs that you bring in?
4: Uh, it, it makes it kind of uh, difficult on them. Actually, we've had... Uh I think we've had about uh, 30 litters in the last uh, five days. So uh, they're doing fairly well. You just have to uh, make sure they're covered and uh, make sure they have plenty of uh, bedding. But when it gets too hot, then you don't want them to have too much bedding. Just just like when the rain comes, you want them to be covered. But when the rain's over, you just want them to have some shade so they can relax. and
6: huh.
3: Do you ever is there ever one that you never send to paradise? You're just like, I like you little guy. You're staying here. You're going to die of old age. Does that ever Does there any ever connection between you and the animals like that on a personal level?
4: Uh yeah, sometimes. But there's uh I mean, yeah, I have connection with them on a personal level. Not everybody can uh, you know
1: Not all the of them make the their thing. way into your heart.
4: No, no, not all of them i mean there 's a lot of them I mean they pretty much all make i i come in contact with pretty much all the hogs and all the cattle that run come through the farm.
1: And actually, this sort of experience is not altogether uncommon amongst farmers. We had a farmer on the farm report who said that she basically fell in love with one of her pigs, Mm -hmm. brought it into the house, and kept it as like a domesticated
3: house animal.
1: Who
2: was that again? I wish I could remember. That was great. I'm kind of happy
3: you don't remember, actually.
2: (laughs) Patrick wants a goat, though, so...
3: I would like a goat. Do you have any goats on your
2: farm, Eric?
4: Uh, No. I know a couple guys that have them. They're cool, (laughs) right?
2: Please don't have them send one to the Heritage Foods USA National Headquarters.
4: <laughs> yeah, you yeah, would just be the pet.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't be the most humane place for them here in New York City. He'd
3: be the pet until we ate them.:
6: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh,
1: All right, Eric. Well, listen, this is really a fun and illuminating interview. We want to thank you for joining us here. On HRN, and I'm sure we can have you on our other program, Greenhorn Radio, with Severin.
2: Yeah, we should get her to come by your farm and check it out for her uh, for documentary. That could be fun.
4: All right, yeah, come on by, come on down or over or whatever, you're well, whichever direction
2: we're coming from. We're coming, we're coming up. No,
1: dude. We're coming
2: west, west actually, <laughs> yeah. directly. But, Eric, it's always a pleasure. Um, thanks for being a part of today's show on the Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report, sponsored by Hearst Ranch. We'll be back in just a bit.
6: Ti ricordi la colazione e che baci? tramonto dal balcone così buona io non l'ho mangiata più era buona forse perché c'eri tu di formaggi ce ne sono a mille gusti ma son pochi quelli buoni, quelli giusti a me è piaciuta tanto quella lì non la voglio più se non è così la Ricotta de vestere bianca, bella magra, tu, ta morbida, che ti si scioglie nella bocca, ti ricordi quella gita la mattina? Ci siamo fermati, era finita la benzina E quei due ci hanno detto di restare lì Ci siamo guardati, gli abbiamo detto di sì Che profumo, era tenera, grandiosa Non del negozio, era tutta un'altra cosa Con lo zucchero, il cacao ed il caffè Non la voglio più se non è con te Hey
1: Matt, you with us? Yeah. Hey, we have Matt Keyfavor from Edgerton, Missouri. So just to catch you up a little bit, Matt, on what we've been discussing.
2: Before I want to interrupt you, Lorenzo. Hi Matt, Heather here, co-host of the Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report. How's it going?
7: All right, how you
2: doing? Doing really well, thank you. And guess what? We've got Patrick Martins in the house of Heritage Foods USA and Heritage Radio Network.
3: Thanks for having me, Heather.
2: And uh, say hello to Matt.
3: Hey, Matt. What's up, dude? All right, how you doing, Patrick? Good, good. Good to hear your voice.
2: And we also have our good friend in the studio, Anastasia Cole.
5: Hi, Matt. Hi.
2: Yep, so we'll, uh, we're just going to catch you up briefly. Lorenzo's going to talk to you about uh, the main focus of today's uh, episode, which is young farmers, and that is what you are.
1: So, Matt, we've been talking about the somewhat disconcerting statistic that the average age of farmers is steadily increasing, and about the stigmas associated with farming as a career that it's thought of in some circles as somehow, of, somehow an anti-intellectual pursuit. And we want to talk about your ideas about how we might reverse this trend and popularize farming among a younger demographic. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of your land and how you became attached to it.
2: And most importantly, how old are you anyway? I'm,
7: I'm 20 years old right now.
2: Yeah, you are.
3: Our youngest farmer yet, by far. Wow, uh. 20 years old. You sound like you're like 23 or 24, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maybe 24 and a half. Yeah. Uh.
2: It's okay. I'm right there with you. We only have a few years on you. We're a young group ourselves. So what kind of farming do you do?
7: What kind of farming? Well, we, we raise corn and soybeans, and we have quite a few cows that we raise, and then we have about 80 sows. 80 That we farrow to finish every year. Well, Well, that's pretty
3: amazing. I mean, twenty years old. I mean, I'll say the cycles of farming are so hard. And I remember once Doug Metzger was this farmer, and he said that um, all he learns to do is to predict why something is happening. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he might have to go as far back as 30, 40 years to remember a story that his grandfather told him about this certain type of infection. Hence, hence the farmer's almanac.
2: Well, and uh, additionally, do you think he keeps his own records of like on his own farm? I mean, I know, Anastasia, you're here at Roberta's. You're helping them with this rooftop garden that's above the shipping containers that we're broadcasting out of. I know you guys keep your logbooks. Is this like the same kind of record that Doug would be keeping on his farm? You well, do you
3: keep detailed records?
5: We do. We weigh in every- everything that we harvest and we and we write it all down so that we know exactly how much we're getting out of the land this season and mm-hmm. the idea is you look at those logs and then you say how can we double this how can we triple this and you guys weekend? are gonna
3: have the, you started the one of the toughest seasons in memory right oh it's
5: this... been rough it's been rough if those tomatoes aren't super watery i will be a very very happy lady. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: well the basil and all the herbs are starting to come up right now beautifully yeah, yeah and the
5: arugula and the masculine exploded so that was great it did explode yeah.
2: literally yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, Anastasia is one of our young farmers here in New York, one of our young urban farmers, if you will. You can, we uh, want to tell us a little bit about the project that we have up on the roof and in the um, other location right down the road from here.
5: Yeah, I mean when I when I was last on, we were mostly talking about building the spaces up, and now we've actually got you know uh, plants coming out of the ground. I mean we're eating stuff. they're like as we two three harvest.
2: feet tall.
3: Some of those plants. Yeah, it's
5: really incredible. And now so now we're getting into the tricky areas of um, you what? know pest control and mm-hmm. the birds mm-hmm. are nibbling. So we have control. the cat? Well, the cat actually uh, came along and decided to to park here because you know there's food. He was my, co- he was good.
1: my co-host yesterday. <laughs> the cat. On one of the shows. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nice. So actually, guys. I I think we have Matt back on the line. Matt, you there?
7: Yeah, I'm here.
1: So, we were asking you about the history of your land and how you became attached to it.
7: Well, my grandpa, which he was born in 1918, he's he farmed mostly all his life. Kind of he did work as a as a postman part of his life, but primarily he farmed. And we still have his farm that He's owned since about 1930s, and my dad really started farming in high school, and has done that his whole life, and has purchased several farms since then, and we continue to grow today, and I have have two brothers with me that we all farm together.
1: I gotcha, and... In what ways is is being a young strapping lad such as yourself an advantage on the farm, and in what ways does it hold you back
7: well I, in today's world there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff especially in high school for a kid you know that if you live on a farm and you actually farm it keeps you pretty busy and does kind of withhold you from i guess the social life a little bit but
2: yeah I guess that could be with anything though, but more so, I guess is it because you have longer hours're waking up earlier or you're maybe a little tired after class
7: yeah and and you know it's just not a not a nine to five job you know it's kind of it's a life it's kind of a twenty four you have to do it
2: definitely much agreed i mean there must be things that keep you up at night about what's going on on your land is that true
7: yeah, I mean it, there's plenty of times you know you have to stay out all night, rather we're Putting in crops or working, trying to pull a calf out of a cow or something. Oof.
2: How do you light? How do you light the the farmlands if you're working through the night?
7: Well, it's...
2: I mean, are you ta- talking about lanterns and flashlights, or do you have f- big floodlights? I I'm not visualizing the farm, so I don't know how you would be working like at three in the morning out there.
7: Well, all the all the tractors and the equipment we have 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 pretty good lights on them anymore. They make them work. Tell what you're doing' cause a lot of people do it these days,
2: right.
1: so in the graduating class from your high school, I mean what was the percentage of kids who went into farming?
7: Oh well, I think i was I was pretty much the only kid that I mean that my parents my dad actually farms for a living mm-hmm. there was there was one or two other kids that they that they have. A few cows and stuff, but nobody that I know of that actually farmed for a living.
1: Do you ever offer up some of the food that you prepare for your farm to your friends out there? That you prepare on your farm to your friends out there?
7: Not on a regular basis, but in high school, in our FFA that we have, we always had a, every year we had a hog roast at the school.
2: Wait, did you say SSA or CSA?
7: SSA. What, what is in future Farmers of America. Oh. And we always hosted the we had a hog roast at usually at homecoming football game. And everybody always knew our, our pork that we raised and we were kind of we still continue to do that.
2: Cool. So, do you ever have any of your neighboring uh, any of your neighbors come by the farm, or do you have like a little market at the farm where they can purchase your 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 pork or anything like that? Doesn't Paradise sell your stuff?
7: Paradise does sell our stuff, and I do. I I have had several friends of mine that have bought stuff from Paradise and said they like it, and I I tell people about it. You know, anytime I anytime it comes up, I tell them that we do sell stuff out there.
6: And, and pa- I ask
3: you, I just wanted to ask one question. What makes a good pork product and what makes a bad pork product? Like, there's so much talk of the loss of taste in pork. What about, you know, what's wrong with the bad and what's right with the right?
7: Well, I think what makes a good pork product is you gotta take care of them and you gotta know what you feed them. You can't be feeding them you can't feed them poor quality grain and and poor feed and expect to have a Good product come out of them. Just anything.
2: Who deals with the feed? Who places the orders for your grain and your corn and things of that nature?
7: Well, I usually take care of most of the feed, just because it's easier. You know, if one person does it, you don't have you don't have much confusion on whether somebody ordered something or not. Mm-hmm. But we but we grow we raise all of our own corn and we just store it in a bin. So, I mean, we always have that, and then just our additives that we put in with it, we order and have it, always have it on hand.
1: Do you feel like working on a farm has given you a kind of education that you could have never gotten in the classroom?
7: I, I think get, working on a farm really does give you an advantage over a lot of things. You learn, you really learn how to work with your hands, and a lot of problem-solving skills, too, I
1: think. <laughs> yeah, and you become aware of some natural processes. I mean, you get an intuitive intelligence that sometimes you just can't get from books.
7: That's that's right. I, there's a lot of stuff that you can't learn from a book that you can learn from on hand.
1: That you can learn from a pig. Uh, Matt, what's the five- and ten-year plan for your farm and for yourself as a farmer? Well,
7: i I. We're trying to farm. I hope to farm my whole life if I if I can, and continue to grow throughout our life. You've got to I hope, start. anyway. Yeah, it, it makes it a lot easier when your when your dad farms, and then you can kind of come into it. And you can kind of grow with each other. It makes it a lot easier versus trying to start on your own. It it's really hard to get started these days with equipment costs and stuff like that. It's just hard to
2: start out from nothing. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we we were talking about that a little earlier, about how, you know, young farmers could even possibly gain the capital to to buy or purchase or even rent land to, to, to do a startup operation. Um, but one thing I'd like to ask is, you know, with your young age, if you are using new technologies that, you know, have helped uh, move things along for your farm and for your family, for that matter.
7: Yeah, it's... <coughs> it's just really it's really awfully competitive from in my area anyway there's there's not really many young farmers but it is everybody wants to get big and they want to get get big fast anymore just cuz it's hard to it's hard to make a living farming if you don't don't have a lot the profit margin's so small on everything anymore
3: so Can for- I ask a, a question? Like, if someone, uh, Matt, was going to get into farming, like in upstate New York or northern California or, you know, north of Chicago, um, what advice would you give them? Like, what's an inspirational, you know, bit of advice, but also, like, a warning bit of advice, you know, for people that are about to quit their jobs and start, a, uh, you know, a livestock farm?
7: Well, I... If you... My... My advice would be to go work for somebody that does what you want to do. That way you can get as much firsthand knowledge as you can and get all, just make sure you know how to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then maybe maybe while you're working for them, try to, try to get maybe a little ground rented if that's what you're looking to do and just kind of start out small and just kind of work your up. It's yep. about the only way you can. And,
3: and what if, would you if, warn them about?
7: Well, if it's anything like it is here, you just really got to watch people, because everybody, they might seem like your friend, and then the, they just, they want the ground that you have, seems like.
2: I think that could be true to most things in life. Well. Uh-huh.
1: Hey, Matt, I got a, one last question. Um... How do you feel about the rising age of farmers in America and how do you think we can reverse this trend and popularize farming amongst amongst the younger generation?
7: Well, uh, I'm really not surprised about the rising age of farmers just because there's not like I said, and when I was in high school and stuff, there's just really not many young kids that want to do it. Everybody wants to You know, it's hard to, it's really hard to get started.
2: So maybe we need to come up with some kind of plan, you know, like how we can maybe teach it Farming more, you know, in schools, this is always spoken about, it was why it's important, and how you can become profitable about it, you know, selling to people locally or teaming up with groups that want to support the kinds of, uh, you know, farming practices that you'd be able to produce on your farm. I mean, maybe it is the continuing of the education of this, you know, important movement towards that, like sustainable biodiversity and heritage that, you know, we're all working toward. We are going to wrap up the show for today. Um, it was for a pleasure Great job, guys. speaking with uh, both Eric and Matt. And uh, we'll be back next Friday with the Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report.
1: And if there are any young farmers out there, check out our other show about young farmers, Greenhorn Radio. It's on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Thanks for joining us. Take care.
2: Us. Bye.